Rainy days and snow days, one of the best TT fortnights in living memory. The warmest June on record, followed by the wettest July on record. We've certainly seen all kinds of weather during the last 12 months here on the Isle of Man. Fast am I, and good evening and welcome to a special programme here on Manx Radio, where for the next half hour, myself, Ben Hartley, and Senior Met Officer at Ronaldsway, Kirsty Pendlebury, will look back at some of the biggest weather events of 2023. So let's start with the weather that gets many people very excited, or indeed filled with dread, depending on your preference, and that is snow. The two main sort of events that we had were kind of created through different weather phenomena, really. Um, In January, it was kind of caused by wintry showers, and we're quite renowned on the island for getting showers that, um, through the winter, are triggered by the sea temperatures, so that makes us a lot more susceptible to seeing showers than sort of the larger land masses. And they, um, in a northwesterly direction, come down through the North Channel and line themselves up with the island and continually cross us and head off towards sort of, you know, Cheshire and the Wirral and into England and within that we saw obviously quite a lot of wintry showers but it made it quite unusual in that the exact wind direction meant the showers were all lined up across the centre of the island whereas the far north and the far south of the island didn't really see very much so there were people like you know uh, in Port Erin or Ramsey going what snow you know and the central part kind of just kept getting showers continuously I think we started with a yellow warning and then had to actually escalate it to an amber um, because we could see the amount of snow that was sort of mounting up particularly over the central parts of the island and one thing that always sort of fascinates me is in Peel if I'm sort of leaving Peel to drive through to, to work here in Douglas I've seen this a few times nothing in Peel or very little anyway you get past QE2 get that bit further inland and suddenly it it just turns white it sort of appears out of nowhere is, is that to do with wind direction and the sea i'm assuming yeah a lot of it will be to do with wind direction like i said if you had the wind direction ever so slightly more northerly um it would be the south of the island that's more affected if it had a slightly more westerly um or west northwesterly um direction to it it would be more the north of the island so it's to do with that as well but obviously as the air sort of comes in on shore as well the sea will have helped to keep the temperature a little bit warmer whereas on the opposite side of the island on the east side of the island in an Northwesterly, that's likely to be colder, so you're going to see more chance of snow there as well. So, in effect, then, if the wind is blowing westerly and coming in uh, to peel, that the sea is warming it up, and it takes a, a little bit of travelling time, effectively, to mm-hmm. get inland to cool down temperatures enough for the snow to actually fall with snow rather than rain. Is that? Yeah, basically, the land temperature is a little bit cooler than the sea is, and that's what helps to cool the air mass above it, and that's what will help it to fall ultimately as snow more on the opposite side of the island, you, on the lee side. <laughs> you describe it so much better than I was very basic. <laughs> description from me there but uh, in essence we absolutely understand what you mean yeah a big old snowfall 17th of january you know comparatively it seemed to be sort of you know a, a sort of middle ground snowfall not sort of huge but there was a decent covering in certain parts of the island yeah like certainly the middle part of the island really you know saw issues with being able to travel around and things as well and i think sometimes the, the problem that people have with that as well is if you're going from the north or the south say to douglas to go to work you leave home and you think everything's fine and then suddenly you realize on route things are deteriorating you know because it's hard to understand how like you know how much snow may have fallen once you get to sort of Douglas area as well. Now the March snowfall 9th 10th of March this was sort of over two days this was memorable in the respect (laughs) that everybody was waiting for the snow to arrive and particularly challenging for you because on that Thursday the 9th schools were closed in anticipation of the snow arriving but generally it didn't come until the evening time so that must be very very difficult again with the island and, and the geography and the different heights to predict exactly when that rain 
will be cold enough to turn to snow. Yeah, it's a really awkward one that. Ultimately, um, we had a weather system coming in. As the weather system came in, the cold air was starting to dig in as well. And that was what was going to bring the sort of general freezing level down, which was going to in turn it increasingly to snow. But the other thing that helps to contribute um, as to when it will turn to snow is as if you've got sort of moderate or heavy rainfall falling for a prolonged period of time, that will help to bring the freezing level down a lot quicker as well. But actually trying to get the timing right of exactly when that level gets to where you're going to get snow at low levels especially it's really difficult to forecast it's very dependent on the intensity of the rain as well it certainly looked from the day before like we were going to see it coming in um, middle of the afternoon really and you know we were seeing snow falling in place and over higher ground it was starting to stick there's been previous times where you know snow can come in a little bit earlier and then it's problematic trying to get children home from school Uh, we didn't really want to run that risk of it so they took an early decision to close the schools that day unfortunately you know majority of the island actually managed to sort of like stay clear of the worst of the snow until around about I think say six or seven that evening it really started to stick and then you know overnight we obviously had quite a lot and it was fairly widespread so by the time you woke up the following morning it was definitely white. (laughs) Yeah most of the island had a covering in the March snowfall. I mean how much pressure is there on you and the team at the Met Office particularly when it comes to the scores being open or shut you know a lot of people watch very closely because of their own personal arrangements and how it will Mm -hmm. affect their lives that snowfall when you know people are watching really closely is is there a lot of pressure does it add add more pressure to the job yeah of course it does i mean ultimately our role at the end of the day is that we want to try and get the warnings out and make sure people are aware of um, any severe situations so that they don't get caught out and don't end up in difficulty somewhere it's always difficult with snow and the fact that we're surrounded by the sea does have that impact of it like reducing maybe the amount of snow we see what how low down we'll get it and how the amounts with it as well and so it does add a lot of extra pressure onto the team. You know, we at the end of the day, we don't want to tell people that something's going to happen and then it not happen. Basically, we try to give you the best information that we can at the time based on the current weather data. But obviously, there are always situations where the computer models don't handle the weather situation very well. And we're always going to get maybe caught out. And, you know, years ago, you could have got away with saying there's going to be snow on Wednesday. Now you need to be able to say exactly what time it's going to happen. at. I was going to say, you know, the, the advent of technology and you've got some amazing equipment now at Ronald's Way. Again, that must have added a pressure in the respect that people expect you to be that much more accurate and precise now with yeah. timings and so forth. I mean, whether the snow started and stay, started to stick at three o'clock or four o'clock made a massive difference. Could the buses get home before it started to stick or not? And that's where, the, you know, there's always a level of uncertainty with that of an hour or so, really, you know, even, even when we try our best. <laughs> On a day like that, do you sort of look out of the window almost willing the snow to come at the time you predicted? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. You know, at the end of the day, you always want the forecast to try and go as well as possible because you don't want to have put people out um, when they've not needed to be put out, you know, having to find people to look after children if they had to work and things like that. No one takes those decisions easily. But at the end of the day, it's based on what's the safest for everybody, basically. And when it comes to the big weather events, uh, you and the team at the Met Office liaise with uh, a large number of people if we're expecting snow or really strong winds. I think you talk to the police, civil defence, you know, government representatives. You have these sort of teams meetings, don't you, to sort of nail down exactly what weather we're expecting and how the island will then deal with 
with that. Yeah, I mean, um, the first people that we really speak to sort of on a daily basis, really through the winter, um, because there's usually something for them to be concerned about is sort of the DOI um, and highways people, because at the end of the day, whether it's like the trees may get blown down, that drains may get blocked from heavy rain, that the gritters need to go out, they're usually the first lot of people to respond. But yeah, you know, especially once we get to sort of an amber level warning, um, that does sort of trigger um, a tactical group meeting and that does incorporate the emergency services, all of them, um, myself and members of the team from the Met Office, the emergency planning officer as well. And it basically just tries to get the communication out to the public of what to expect, preempt anything that we think is going to become an issue and have like a contingency in place uh, to try and reduce the amount of disruption that the public will see. Let it snow. This is Manx Radio and you're listening to a look back at some of the more interesting weather we've experienced over the last 12 months. We'll hear more from Kirsty a little later in the programme when we'll turn our attention to some of the hotter temperatures we experienced this year. And it was in the summer, just before TT 2023, that I took a trip to the Ronaldsway Met Office to look ahead to TT Fortnight and find out exactly what life is like there during one of the busiest periods on the island. I caught up with Adrian Cowan, who's now enjoying a well-earned retirement, and first of all, forecaster Neil Young. The start of the day probably starts before many people are up and about. The, the clerk of the course generally is on the phone about six o'clock in the morning, and things really start to, to ramp up probably seven o'clock onwards, where actually that's when we're giving advice for clerk of the course, for the emergency services because that's when the decisions are going to be made about closing the roads. Is it going to happen today? What's going to happen? If it's a fine day and it's all going right, well, actually, that's good, because if it's a fine day, that's pretty much us. But it's if it's bad weather. If then there's a delay, if the clock of the course decides that either something's happened with with dampness on the road, which the rain may well have cleared three hours ago, but it's still wet at Glen Helen, but actually, you've got to get finished by five o'clock because this is going to happen then. And then it's just constant all day. And you're constantly on a knife edge. And the clerk of the course, AD, obviously somebody that you're in constant communication with. But there's all the other agencies, like Neil was mentioning there, the emergency services. There's, there's an awful lot of people, as well as just the general public and the race fans, who really do need to know, as you mentioned earlier, for safety reasons as well, just how that weather is playing out. Well, absolutely. There's lots of factors that go into uh, decision-making behind the scenes. Uh, weather is a factor, but uh, there are other um, possible influences that the clerk of the course has to take into consideration in association with consultations with the emergency services. There may be other matters that we don't know about, but he, don't, he knows about, and we're thinking, why haven't they gone with our advice? And it transpires later on that he had an issue perhaps of for example, positioning and numbers of marshals, road conditions, there's been a late spillage of diesel or fuel oil, or one year, I remember there was uh, some issues with, uh, there was a spillage of grain. Grain transporter had uh, toppled over and, and left the road covered. But uh, it's all about communication. We, we stay on top of our job. We communicate with the clerk of the course and anybody else who needs to know that information. He communicates with all the people he needs to communicate with including the marshals, the police, uh, Manx Radio, for example, a great way of communicating the big messages. And I think the Isle of Man puts that together great every year 
working together to make the event happen and make it happen as safely as possible. Do you feel that pressure more when there are those other factors, when those windows are tighter because of whatever might be going on, whatever reason, you know, roads have had to stay shut or, or whatever. If, if there are tighter windows, does it get more difficult for you or more pressurised? It, it certainly does, and it gives you a new nervous twitch as you look over the horizon at the satellite pictures or the radar pictures, and you're thinking, those showers that we thought were going to be knocking on the door for six o'clock this evening, they're now going to be at four o'clock this afternoon, and we're there going, oh, twitch, 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 ring the clock, the course. I was going to say, if there's a sudden change, if the modelling suddenly changes, do you get straight on the phone and, and let the, the clerk of the course and the organisers oh, know? Oh, absolutely, because the sooner he knows... Um, that there's something now on the horizon that was either unexpected or it's coming sooner than previously expected, let them know. Because it's one of those factors, again, that can help them as an organising committee and the clerk of the course make an adjustment. And if it so happens to keep the event safe and yet complete it, if a race has to be shortened by one or two laps just to complete it safely, then we let them know. And how quickly can it change in that respect? It can change really quickly in the Irish Sea, especially at this time of the year when you can get a, a change of airflow uh, or uh, temperatures, daytime temperatures lift some shower clouds that you didn't previously expect and uh, that can happen and those days are really difficult because those shower clouds, sometimes they're not showers that you've imported from elsewhere, they are locally developed showers and by that I mean the land on the Isle of Man warms up in response to sunshine and all of a sudden you're spotted. There's now a risk of a heavy shower breaking out over the middle of the course. And indeed, you know, over the years, uh, TT commentators have spotted that and commented on that via Manx Radio and Radio TT that, uh, I don't believe it, 10 minutes ago the sun was shining and now it's pouring down. <laughs> I also remember Jeff Cannell one year, and I, I seem to remember it was at Ballacrane, and Jeff said, well, that's glorious day for racing. And round, round, round. it's gone round. Everyone's happy. And the next moment, Jeff said, going, I don't believe it. There's hailstones at Battle Crane. There's hailstones. What's happening? And it was a locally developed shower. It was a heavy shower, heavy downpour, just in that area during a race. And whilst I was talking to Aidy and Neil, I had to ask about those dreaded words that anyone involved in the TT does not want to hear. And those words are, Fog on the mountain. That is the one that is a showstopper, and it's the most difficult one to forecast for, really. The, the, the height of the cloud level and the arrival of mist on the mountain or fog even lower down. And we've seen all of those variations because of the shape of the Isle of Man. The topography of the Isle of Man lends itself to either hill fog or coastal mist or both on the same day. And not necessarily just on one part of the course. Sometimes it's restricted to just one part of the course, but there are other days where it moves around. Mm. One of the good things that has helped us is colleagues in the DOI thankfully installed some decent webcams up on the mountain road. And that helps us confirm we can visually see what is it like now. We've always been able to have measurements up there, but you can't beat a good quality webcam picture. We talk about fog, but Neil, rain obviously plays a big part in this. Just sort of thinking back over your 35 odd years you've been here, are there any TT fortnights that really stand out as being a sort of complete washout? We've had some very, very wet spells, certainly one in the early 90s where I think we got rain virtually every day and we got heavy rain, we got flooding. We had people in tents, just had to move. People opened up their homes, they opened up 
parish halls, people sleeping on the floor of the sea terminal. The Alaman, as it always does, really pulled out all the stops and looked after people. Adrian Cowan and Neil Young talking to me just prior to this year's TT Fortnight. So let's hear once again from Kirsty Pendlebury, now Senior Met Officer at Ronald's Way, about what was one of the best TT fortnights for weather many people can remember. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ultimately, throughout the um, entire TT fortnight, there was basically no measurable rainfall um, at all, um, which was just amazing. Um, and we only really, I think, had one day where the weather kind of Im- like impacted the um, racing, and that was just where we had a little bit of low cloud and mist that took a while to sort of lift as the day went on, um, which I think gave everyone a bit of a shock, really. You know, <laughs> after such nice weather, I mean, and on the whole, June ended up being the warmest June on record um, for the Isle of Man, and the hottest day was the... The 13th, so just towards the sort of the end of the TT period, with a 28.1 degrees Celsius. So um, yeah, really quite gorgeous weather, really for TT this oh, year. It was incredible, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, that day when we had that mist on the mountain, I was speaking to some visitors who were first timers to the island, and up until then, the few days beforehand, glorious weather. They were like, "Hang on, what's all this? We're not used to this." I said, "Oh, <laughs> this is what it's <laughs> normally like. You're seeing the kind of the real side of TT because it is, I think." unusual isn't it to get such a good period of weather throughout the the end of may beginning of june through that tt fortnight yeah definitely like i mean like i just said you know warmest june on record but also you know we've had records going back at ronald's way since 1947 and throughout june we actually had sort of 269 hours of bright sunshine burn onto the cards at the at the airfield and that's 62 hours more than what the long-term average is so that's an awful lot more sunshine that we don't usually get so yeah it's, it felt particularly i think uh, pleasant during june um which is just as well because um it didn't carry on <laughs> no this 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 is it isn't it and that's what's interesting june was so good we thought oh this is it we're in for a great summer but actually july turned out to be well a bit of a wet one yeah it was the wettest july on record um, and the second windiest as well and um, one of the wettest days actually was the 23rd of july and that was when the grand fondo was on as well so 35 millimeters of rain fell that day we imagine for you that the summer is perhaps an easier time because the weather is clearly more settled than it is in the winter but actually so many outdoor events in the summer and we do get some terrible days throughout June, Mm -hmm. July and August. So again, you must have to really keep an eye on things there in terms of uh, the events and people wanting it. Like with snow days, as we mentioned earlier, equally big outdoor event in the summer if it's going to be lashing down or really windy people really want to know that detail yeah i think when we we're forecasting for the summer if you're looking at more sort of severe weather and it's at an unusual time of year it will impact whether or not like whether we choose to put a warning out whether it's perhaps just below warningable level but because of the time of year and the unusual experience to have it at that time it makes you want to put the warning out to give people a heads up for it for example in august we had the name storm which was Betty, and that was on the 18th of August. But that obviously was quite out of character to be having a named storm in August. You know, you would usually think that the weather would be a bit calmer then. So that helps to make you think, oh, do you know what? Because it's that time of year, people have got their garden furniture out. They're having their nice sort of summer um, stuff in the garden and things and out doing nice summery things. Stuff's more likely to get blown around when you're not used to ready for really strong winds, really. Was there any reason why we had such a good June and such a, a bad July? Or was it just one of those weird weather things? It's just 
the way that the positioning of the jet stream, you know, like that's so hard to sort of like forecast and predict long term. But um, ultimately, if we end up with the jet stream pulling the low pressure system straight across the Atlantic and throwing them straight at the UK, then that's where we get those really unsettled spells, which is what we got in um, in July when it was really wet. Um, and in June, we were just lucky enough that the jet stream had moved further enough that we ended up with this big area of high pressure dominating the weather across the British Isles. Um, I wouldn't say that the seasons are as typical as perhaps they used to be as well you know with climate change and things you do start to see more severe events happening at different times so um, the jet stream really does impact sort of whether we get storms brought straight to us from across the Atlantic or whether we end up you know with slightly calmer conditions. You've been at the Ronalds Way Met Office now for let's see over 10 years isn't it mm-hmm. and obviously you were working at the, the UK Met Office in Exeter yeah. uh, for a few years before that. In your time uh, working in weather have you seen a great change in the patterns and as you alluded to there the sort of the the, the seasons maybe not being so defined as they once were yeah I feel like there's no you know I mean a lot of people always think that once you get towards sort of Christmas you should be getting the cold wintry sort of conditions but actually it's usually more towards like after the new year once we start into the sort of the beginning of the new year but I would say that recently you know we start to see stuff still going on even in like April you could still get in March and April getting snow events and things as well so and that's the start of spring <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily feel like it necessarily completely fits and like I said about the storm happening in August just your summer you just find sometimes that it's not quite in the traditional months uh, seasons that we used to sort of get so June and July great contrast get to September the first week or so of September was absolutely glorious for the time of year yeah it was a bit of a late burst of summer really wasn't it I mean we hadn't had very much sort of nice dry warm weather (laughs) since sort of June Um, and then we ended up with several days where we saw temperatures up into the 20s Um, it was also the warmest September on record for Ronald's Way the peak was sort of 24 and a half degrees and that was on the 5th of September Um, but it was also quite wet as well we had sort of 40% more rain and we had two days of gales as well so it was one of those months which is quite typical for September a transition month where it goes from sort of maybe the calmer sunnier summer conditions into the sort of more autumnal conditions and we definitely saw that probably more so this year than we have perhaps in other years where we went from such dry and warm weather to sort of like a well we had another named storm we had Agnes on the 27th to end the month (laughs) yeah this is it and and that's the next thing I was going to ask actually about the number of storms we've had so far this season the storm season runs uh, from September is that when it begins each year is that the sort of meteorological year yeah so it sort of starts in the autumn winter for August this year that we had our second name storm which was betty which was actually from last year's yeah it took nearly a year to get through just two storms yeah yeah. and we're already on about the fifth or sixth now so it's it's you know they come around quite quickly this year obviously one of the most memorable ones i think probably just recently was sort of in november we had storm debbie and caused quite a lot of sort of disruption really there was i think there was about 50 trees down across Mm. the island and obviously that really impacts people traveling at one point does bad weather become a storm what does it have to sort of reach for you to actually or, or the Met Office across or an island or wherever so say right actually this will be the next storm so um, the, the criteria is sort of um, really for the UK Met Office and Met Air and, and I think it's parts of North West Europe as well um, they're all split into different sections and they'll, that's when they'll, they'll adopt storm names is it where it reaches yeah. land for is that what it yeah, is yeah it is and it's also um, usually for in terms of sort of the UK and Met Air inside which are the ones that we see as named storms um, traditionally it's once you see an 
Amber Warning going out. Um, so it has to be somewhere within basically the UK is going to receive an Amber Warning. But sometimes the problem with that is, is that the storm becomes named, but obviously not everywhere in the UK is going to be impacted in the same way. So for example, like Jersey and Guernsey with um, the storm that kind of caught them, they obviously had really severe winds, but actually to the north and where we were, it, it was a bit more of a non-event really. So it's kind of, although the naming of storms is really helpful, equally it can kind of like cause a bit of an, like an issue when it comes to trying to get the information across in the press because people will think, oh, because it's a named storm, it's going to be really bad and not everywhere is going to see something that's really severe. It might just feel like a windy day on the Isle of Man. So without a doubt then, 2023 has provided all sorts of different weather, keeping you and all the team there well and truly on your toes. It is, it's worth noting, the Met Office at Ronald's Way, a 24-7, 365 uh, operation. You know, you and the team down there, it's manned constantly and it's crucial that that is the case. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the weather doesn't stop not even for Christmas um, and obviously you can't say that you're not going to get a storm arrive on Christmas Day in fact I do remember years ago we've had sort of really some quite stormy weather either on Christmas Eve and once was on Boxing Day as well so if you've got a storm or something arriving Boxing Day Christmas Day can be quite a busy shift you know making sure the warnings and everything are issued for the following day so um, yeah it's um, certainly doesn't mean that we get a quiet time of year just because uh, everyone's at home having their turkey <laughs> and of course you've stepped up now to the senior position at the Met Office. I mean, you've always loved what you do. You're still enjoying it down there, but, but a bit different now, I imagine. Yeah, not so much of the forecasting side anymore. I'm doing a lot more of um, sort of other other stuff in the background, but um, you know, it's just an absolute honour and a privilege, really, to sort of be part of the Met Office team. The guys down there are working so hard all the time, and I'm just really proud of them for everything that they do. You know, and it's um, my dream job. It's the one I always worked for. <laughs> And our thanks to Kirsty Pendlebury from Ronald's Way Met Office for joining us on this special programme looking back at some of the biggest weather events throughout 2023. And of course here on Manx Radio with the help of the Met Office we'll keep you right up to date with the very latest weather as we go throughout the rest of the Christmas and New Year period and into 2024. This programme will shortly be available as an extended podcast at manxradio.com.